Welcome to the Copy Room Chat, the podcast for educators just like you. Do you want to gain quick tips and tools to use in your classroom? This podcast is brought to you by the Practical Teachers and hosted by me, Renee Hirano and Amy Youngren. We are both educators and moms with 20 years of experience in education. Do you want to thrive, not just survive in your classroom? Then join us for a quick chat in the copy room. Hey teachers, welcome back to the copy room. I'm your host, Renee Hirano, along with Amy Youngren. Today, Amy and I wanted to chat about all the important planning we do for just those first couple days back to school. There's so many things to think about, and we try to we what we try to do is narrow them down and focus to keep it as manageable and productive as possible. Actually, we've kind of given our top five list or essentials for those first days of school. So, Amy, what's the first thing you're thinking about? when you think about those first days back? Well, thanks, Renee. One of my most favorite parts about those first few days of school actually are the um, development of all the classroom rituals and routines. I know it sounds silly, but I really do think this is where teachers sometimes get the biggest bang for their buck. It doesn't take a lot, and but it when you get to the important lessons and you need to cram so much in towards the middle of the year, those you realize how important it was that you got those procedures in. So I really do think the most important thing to do before you get the students in the classroom is map out your procedures, map out. We talked a little bit about this in previous episodes, but map out every, all the movement that happens in a classroom and practice and make it fun. Mm -hmm. And I remember even awarding points for getting it quickly. Um, All those things, the morning routines, what do I do right when I walk in the room? What do I do next? Transitioning to all sorts of groups. How do I work one-on-one with a partner? How do I work with a group of four? How am I going to come together as an entire classroom? What are our jobs going to be and how am I going to, as a student, own that job and help the teacher out, right? We need help. We're all doing this together. So what, as a student, is my job in the classroom? Um, how am the big transitions, getting in and out of the classroom for specials or for lunch or the beginning of the end of the day? I also think something that we've dealt with in the past, I don't know if we'll have as much of an opportunity, but um, I always really found it important to have greeters in a classroom, whether you have um, guest tours coming in, when you have your administrators coming in, when you have other students coming in to visit, how are we going to manage guests coming into our classroom? And then most importantly, our procedures for materials. So how are we going to get things in and out of our desks or in and out of our cubbies? How are we going to share materials? And very important, what are our norms for using technology? Um, when and how do we expect each other to use that? So I think sometimes as a teacher, we feel really pressured to get right to our standards and get it all in. But I think some of the best time spent is in these procedures procedures, and these rituals and routines. Um, I remember as a first year teacher, rushing through some of that and quickly learning then later in December, I had to slow down 
Um, so let's remember as teachers to slow down at the beginning of the year so we can go faster later. Um, the other part I think is really important, maybe especially this year, is we all feel safer when we know what to expect. And we've had to endure a lot of unknown in the last year. Mm -hmm. So let's give students this year some things that are completely predictable. When I walk in my classroom, I know my teacher will always be at the door. I know I always go here. And then I know I always do this. Let's just give them some things they can always count on. I think it'll make us all feel safe. And so we'll be able to tackle those big thoughts that our teachers are going to ask us to tackle. But if I don't, if I don't feel safe, then I don't have room in my brain to really stretch it for those things I'm going to have to learn. What else have I forgotten, Renee? What do you think? No, and I think the biggest bang for your buck, I think that is just a quote to live by because as many routines and rituals that you think about plan and practice, you're exactly right. You, down the road, you just keep getting rewarded for that. Mm-hmm. You know, the only thing I would add is also then just, rem- and you kind of talked about it, but where, how do I go to the bathroom? How do I leave the room to go to the bathroom? How right. am I in the hallway? How am I in the, in the cafeteria? How am I on the playground? I think also talking about those expectations school-wide All right. um, is really important for us to remember as well, you know, and having kids tell you what they think those, those routines and rituals are. And I think, you know, you really talked about that. Kids will show you how to transition in their groups. But I, I do think rituals and routines is really important. And I think what you said about safety, Amy, is spot on for the year. The more predictable we can make things, the safer, calmer we're going to feel. Then we can learn, right? Yeah. And yeah, we can learn. I think this kind of goes along with it. But my number two must do at the beginning of the year is to create a social contract. How do... How will students and I live and work in our classroom? And I think it can't be stated enough that that mutual social contract is for everybody. It is for me. It is for them. It is a discussion. And it's something that you build together. And people will always tell you, well, there'll be five or six rules or expectations or guidelines, whatever you want to call them. They'll be pretty much the same each year because... That's what we want in our classroom. But every year we need to say, what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. We need to say, how, how will you best learn in this space? And how will I best teach in this space? And we're going to look at it from those lenses about what we are going to do. One important thing about a social contract is you never, you're never going to use a negative or something you, you're not going to do on a social contract, but you are going to say what you will do. And so one of my favorites is always, we will, we will keep our hands and feet to ourselves, right? Right. Someone, a student might say, we, we don't hit each other, right? But we're going to rephrase that in a positive way. Mm. And we're going to find a way. But it really, you know, as my teaching, year has, teaching has gro- grown and gone on, I really have come to understand that that social contract is something that all of us sign, that we all abide to. And I will even reference it many, many times through the year and say, is Miss Hirano doing these things? Is student A doing these things? Mm. Or we all sign this contract and we say, we said, these are the things we're going to do in our classroom. And we make sure and hold each other accountable 
to the this social contract. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's just imperative. And I think sometimes we can think, oh, we all know, but it, it's so important to write it down and talk to them and give them input into it because it's something we're going to have for the whole year and revisit many times. And so sure. social contract, um, really important. Anything to add? Do you have anything you want to add to that aim? Well, and it's interesting. Like we, we do, I think, do we take it for granted that we all know that we don't all know that. And especially going into this year, we don't all know that. I think that'll be one of the biggest things we'll see. I think I've even seen it as in adults, we kind of forgot how to be around people. So um, I think it's going to be really important to build that. And I love hearing you say that you refer to it all year long. That's really important to remember. You know, Amy, I just want to add also last year, my social contract was different than it had been before because sure. we needed to talk about what our expectations were for a virtual, our virtual time together. And so I like the way you said that it is changing and we do need to evolve with it because kids talked about safety, but we needed to talk about digital safety last year in our social contract oh, right. versus like physical safety. So yeah, right. we didn't have that. We didn't have the hands and feet to ourselves last year, but we had different issues. Yeah. yeah we had different think, safety that we wanted to maintain. So yeah. That's changed quite a bit. And I think um, it'll be, it'll be different this year to think about parent communication and the important piece that mm-hmm. that plays. That's kind of my um, third piece. And I think that has changed quite a lot too. You know, we have parents who were involved, whether they wanted to be or not last year. I mean, you teachers were in our homes. Um, all day, every day. So now how are we going to transition from um, from that type of learning to a more traditional classroom? And I think one of the important things to do in the first few days is set the expectations with your parents. Um, when are you going to communicate? For what reason are you going to communicate? Is there an escalation level, so to speak? And how will you communicate? Are they, are, are you expecting that they'll check a monthly newsletter or a weekly email blast, or are you going to email or text? Um, How will that work? But I think setting this expectation is going to be so important. And I don't, I don't know, but there may be, are there some school-wide expectations that you're going to have to flex to? And then how are you going to manage that with your own um, preferred way of communicating? So I think this going to change from last year. Um, I also, I remember one of the things, one of the lessons learned from being a new teacher to now. So when I first started teaching, I wasn't a parent. And I remember thinking parents had a different way of approaching me when I wasn't a parent. And I remember thinking, well, no, I, I do the same job as a teacher who has, who doesn't have kids as a teacher who does have kids, then I became a parent and I quickly realized how important um, that communication with the teacher is. And it needs to be succinct and to the point and individualized. Um, That's what I've learned as a parent. It really is important to be in communication with my kids' teachers and to have them be honest and authentic um, with the communication, but also quick and to the point, we have a lot going on. Um, I know that communication 
for you has changed a lot since you became a parent too. True. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, having a child who's school age now and getting weekly updates from them about what they've been doing has been super helpful because my kindergartner wasn't always forthcoming each day about what was happening in class, even though I ask every day, what did you do at school? Right. And so I think it was super helpful. They sent out a, for them, they sent out a weekly, a weekly newsletter on Saturday, kind of recapping the week. Uh And that was a really, it was really nice. So I agree with you from when I first started to now that's changed a lot. I also have heard other teachers say this and was just talking with a colleague about, you know, communication now doesn't have to just be one way Mm. and over communication is probably better than under communication because people can decide how they want to be communicated with. Right. And like, I think about the fact that I can send an email, I can send a text, I can make a phone call home. I can send a newsletter, but now these electronic forms, parents have a choice when they receive the communication. That's true. Before it was a newsletter that had to get from the school into a folder, into someone's backpack, on the bus, (laughs) off the bus, right? Yeah. Remember that red Thursday folder? Mm -hmm. That's right. And so (laughs) it's not bad. Right. It's just, we've moved into this new way. And so I think that's part of it. The other way is you know, being open to helping, having parents communicate with you in a way that is comfortable for them and you. You know, mm-hmm. I give this example that I have a I have a Google voice number that is just for parents that I can text with because like many teachers, we're really busy and texting is one of the easiest way for me to communicate with parents at any time. For parents and too. So, right? And if some parents want to communicate communicate that way. I'm okay with that. But if you're a person that doesn't want to text, you just want to do emails, do emails, but make sure that then you're available through those emails. I think that's the biggest part for parents and teachers is just finding what's most comfortable with you, the two of you, and how you want to communicate. There's also, I will also say just a shameless plug for those Bloom or class tag ways that you can communicate with your class pretty easily right. um, and get information to parents quickly. And so I would say parent communication is important. Just setting your own you know, parameters about what you're going to do, how often you're going to communicate and really try to set up, set, set, stick to that. I would say that's important for the beginning of the year. Yeah. Yeah. They know what to um, expect. Yeah. And I think this kind of goes along with it. Um, in terms of that parent communication, creating a relationship is this year in particular, but I think all years is really establishing and thinking about how you're going to help your students with their social emotional learning and how we're going to help kids feel safe in the classroom and how we're going to help kids understand the feelings that they're feeling Uh find words and language for those feelings. And then what do I do with those feelings? And I think each year we always think about that at the beginning of the year, a little bit of separation, anxiety for younger kids, or maybe just anxiety going to a new school or all these things for the beginning of the year. But I think we have to really acknowledge and name um, those feelings and talk about them. 
And I think we have to open them up for kids about how are you feeling about being back in school with a mask, without a mask, or right. how are you, how, how do you feel about being in the classroom and being with your friends? And, right. you know, I think we have to open up the doors for kids to talk about that. You know, there find some read alouds, find some good discussion questions. You know, I, I say this with, this is not what we're going to do on day one is like some super risky social emotional but I do think we need to really talk with our students, no matter what grade level it is, how we name the emotion that we're having, make sure that's really the emotion and not just something on the surface. And then what do I do? What are some strategies? How can my teacher help me? How can my classmates, how can I help myself to deal with those feelings? Because I think we, we need to make sure, and I, I, I'm really grateful. I feel like this is really start to come to the forefront in term in terms of finally you know, right? our, in school in terms of social emotional learning, and I think um, just you know all of the neurosequential modeling and how do our brains work, and you know you touched on it before about how do we feel safe. Once we feel safe, learning can happen at a greater capacity. True, and so it's really tapping into those resources really tapping into talking to kids about how you feel. I think being authentic without, um, you know, giving everything away to them, right. but being authentic about how you feel and what's going on and how you deal with it. I think that's the part of a think aloud that we haven't always done. I was just going to say, do? yeah. Yeah. Model it out loud, right. That Model it all out. Loud. Loud. That exactly. think aloud is perfect, right? You know, I, I share with everyone this about me is I, whenever I am stressed or I have a problem, I always call myself a self-help tape, tape <laughs> or a self-help because I talk myself through it when I'm worried about something. I have this story about I was driving in the city of Chicago and I, like it was before cell phones and directions. So I had like the directions written down, like where to go and right. how to do the things. And then I was literally in the car, like, you can do this, Renee. It's going to be okay. Okay. See, you took that left. You know what to do, <laughs> but yeah. I need to model that for kids. Yes. The same way, because they need to be their own self-help tape. Someone taught me how to be my own self-help tape. Right. Right. Yeah. That, that's, so. that's such a good example because I think sometimes depending on the age of the kids, of course, but right. my teacher has it all figured out. No, I don't have it all figured out. I'm figuring <laughs> right. it out right now. Let's do it together. Yeah. 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 That's such a good point. Well, I have, I think I have one more to add. I think, you know, and I think this probably, um, is obvious to most teachers, but relationship building with our students on those first few days, we need to get to know them. Some of us are lucky enough to loop with our students, but even if um, we are looping, building those relationships with our students, getting to know our kids and giving them an opportunity to get to know us. I think it's, um, there's a dual purpose there. So some of the most important times in those first few weeks is that morning meeting and thinking of some really thoughtful guiding questions, maybe just not the general roses and thorns, but some really thoughtful guiding questions about being back in a, in a traditional classroom or um, how it felt last year. Some of those um, things could really give us some great insight into who our students are and maybe taking some of our precious lunch time to have some one-on-ones with some students that are 
harder to get to know. Um, I always, one of the things I love to do, if I can find something that I know a student is really strong in is help them teach me, not help them teach, maybe not help them teach, but have them help guide certain parts. I think that always felt like it brought me closer to students and gave them some ownership in our process. So if there's some things that you can hand over to students, so to speak, um, I think that gives them some ownership and gives you some insight into who they are. Um, we, we kind of need to feel it out as we go. Um, but, and it's different depending on the age, you know, um, I had a teacher, my son is older, but, um, he had a teacher this past year, send out a survey, um, and have him anonymously fill it out. So she didn't know who had said which answers to her Mm. questions, but she was able to kind of build some morning meeting conversations around that. And, And he's older. So that's a different kind of, but so I think you have to decide the age of your students and how you can dig into who they are and find out those things that you need to know academically, socially, emotionally, what, how they learn and what their personality is. I think relationship building is paramount in those first few days, weeks, and months of school. What else, what else did I miss, Renee? No, I I think that's it. You know, I think we do build relationships all year long, but we know what it's like at the beginning of the year when you're meeting your teacher for the first time and you're meeting your students for the first time, how important those first few days are to really make that concerted effort. You know, even Amy, us talking about this, you know, we have managing our top five for the beginning of the year. Okay. Rituals and routines. Yep. Build that social contract, parent communication, social emotional learning, and building relationships. And Amy, I think you said it best before when you said we could talk about this forever. Right? We could talk about <laughs> this for hours and hours. But in the first week, do what Amy said. Get the biggest bang for your buck know that you'll be rewarded later for spending time on these things at the beginning of the year, because this is, this will pay off dividends in the middle of the year in those lessons, all of the time when kids know exactly what to expect. Right. So I want to thank everyone for joining us again and we'll chat again soon. Thanks again for joining us here at copy room chat. If you haven't subscribed yet, Go ahead and click the button so you don't miss any of the chat. And remember, head over to www.thepracticalteachers.com for more resources and to sign up for our monthly newsletter.